Hello and welcome. We are the Ladies of Strange. I'm Ashley. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Rebecca. Thank you for joining us each week as we discuss the history, mystery, and theory of all things questionable, odd, and eerie. Hello, ladies. Hello, honey. How is everyone doing today? Awesome. I'm halfway through my drink. Same. Hey, me too. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers, ladies. Well, we should cheers our guests. Absolutely. Southern hospitality. Hospitality. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. We have a fourth lady joining us today, everyone. I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're not really ladies either. It's just a cover. That's why we gave ourselves that title. We're like, it'll make us look good. (laughs) (laughs) But we have Kate with us, everyone, from Ignorance Was Bliss. Hello, darling. Hello. How are you? So good. How are you, honey? We're doing good. Doing good. We had our first ever snow day here today. Which is stupid. <laughs> we like. I just want that out there that snow is a terrible idea, and I don't know why we. Did. We don't understand that in Georgia. What? What are snow? <laughs> you mean the devil's dandruff? <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. Absolutely. Yeah, we don't. We don't get those. We get ice days here. Yeah. No. No, I don't like it. It's <laughs> yeah. I mean, eight inches of snow overnight. Holy oh, cannolis. Oh. That's usually a good thing, but like, I, wait, what? What, eight inches overnight? <laughs> Not of snow. Th- that's fine. But, but n- not when your ass freezes, you know what I'm yes. saying? Yeah, you know, that might make some things easier, but oh my God. each their own. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we roll in to the story that Kate is going to be presenting us today, Kate, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and your show? Sure. I am a forensic psychologist and crisis clinician. I've been on disability for five years. And so I spent a lot of time listening to podcasts and talking back to the hosts, except they couldn't hear me. (laughs) We can hear you. Oh, that's good. That's that's helpful now, because otherwise, (laughs) this has been a really weird two years. Um, Because I would hear like, I I listen to a lot of true crime stuff, because that's where, you know, my background in forensics and so on. And they would have these questions like, why would this happen? what is not guilty behavior of insanity or what does it mean to have schizophrenia or, you know, whatever. And I would answer, right? <laughs> you know, six months after it was recorded alone in my house. And I finally decided, let me start my own show. And it really started very true crime. And over time it has drifted so that maybe half or maybe less of my episodes are actually crime based. My, I don't do a whole, this is actually a novelty for me to cover a case like in a narrative way, because usually we focus more on what is that like? And I feel like if I can get people to understand what it is like to have anxiety <laughs> or kids or a podcast, then <laughs> oh, I yeah. can get you to understand what it's like to be a serial killer because it's not actually all that different. You know, <laughs> that explains it. <laughs> I have anxiety, kids and a podcast. Watch out, you guys. So, I mean... <laughs> That's fascinating. So, yeah, that's what I do. And I talk to all kinds of people. It's been super fun. Like, I never expected it would take off like this. So it's just, it's been great for the ride. Oh, it's fascinating. I love listening to your conversations. Well, I think that's what a lot of it, like, that's, it's not an interview show so much as just, let's bullshit. And people get to feel like they're sitting in. Right. And that's what's fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's quite fantastic. You guys should check it out. And we will be sure to have her links and all the information in the show notes. And we'll also provide a little more information on where to find her at the end of our show. Well, given that, Kate, would you like to uh, dive on into your topic for us? I would. Excellent. I would. So I was given free reign here, and I'm going to give a shout out to CK. 
from Mirths and Monsters because we hey. know that Scotsmen can have their issues. <laughs> <laughs> and so I decided to focus on a very formerly very well-known, now less so, case out of Edinburgh. Ah, oh, I'm excited. Yeah, and serial killers. Always Even better. Favorite. So, I mean, all kinds of good stuff. So, I mean, clearly the only similarity with CK is the Scotsman stuff. Like, he's totally not a serial killer. That we, we know, know of. of. Totally not. Why did y'all answer at the same <laughs> <Totally> time? <laughs> that was amazing. You're in a girl group now. Now? That's been going on for a while. It's just been behind closed doors practicing our dance moves. <laughs> amazing. But we do have dance moves. <laughs> Amazing. Cool. Awesome. So, have you guys heard of Burke and Hare? No. Okay, let's bring it. I'm going to give you some background first, and then we'll do the drink break thing, because the second half of the story is a lot worse than the first half of the story. Perfect. So, this actually starts in Northern Ireland in the late 1700s. The oldest, there's three main characters in this story, and the oldest one I don't actually have his date of birth in front of me. There was some squishiness around, you know, records and stuff right. back then. But the 1780s, um, late 1780s, a guy named Robert Knox was born. And he actually was from Edinburgh, although he traveled around the UK in as part of the British militia for a little while. As a child, he was disfigured by smallpox. Oh, That's mm. the phrase. Like... That phrase is used so often in reference to this guy that I wonder if it's trademarked. Like, you know, disfigured by smallpox. Trademarked. (laughs) (laughs) TM, TM, TM. (laughs) Right? So he grew up well enough, though, to become an army surgeon. Oh. Which is not nearly as, I don't know, medical as (laughs) they are now. You know, it was a lot of like... Drink some whiskey, bite down on this wallet, and I'm going to take your arm. Yeah, hacksaws and cocaine. So th- that would be an amazing punk band name. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we have something on CK's episode that was a band name, too? I think That we came up with? Probably. <laughs> probably. Hacksaws I mean, and cocaine. I'm writing that down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> TM? Trademark? Yeah. I, you know. <laughs> and so... By 1825, he had returned to Edinburgh, to his hometown, and he was a became a, a fellow, not just some dude, but like that's a capital F fellow, in the, <laughs> the Royal College of Surgeons. So that's like an important dude. You fancy. An important fella. A fancy dude. And, um, yeah. and he's no longer just a fella. He's a fellow. Right. Well, pro- but this is Scottish, <laughs> so he's a fella, probably. Fair. Like a player. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like CK. <laughs> I, <laughs> he's just going to keep coming up, as it were, if you know what I mean. And I think you do. <laughs> so, um... Do you guys need medical help at all? Like, I think I just saw an ice cube come out somebody's nose. <laughs> no, I'm fine. Try not to spit on my okay. microphone because that was funny. Okay, fair. <laughs> okay. Do you need medical help? Oh, in more ways than one. I will try to be less funny. No, keep it going, please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Robert Knox had a pretty good reputation, actually. Um, this is in sort of the dawn of the modern era of medicine. And what that means is that. We didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And so the fact that, you know, this is, I don't remember the date that Grey's Anatomy was first published, but it was 
a little bit after this. So there's a lot of like. I automatically went to the show. I was like, that was like early 2000. (laughs) I know. He was a big fan. Like he watched it obsessively. He got a Netflix account just for Grey's Anatomy. Just for Grey's. Yeah. Totally. It meant he did a lot of like, I wonder what happens when I do this or like. I wonder if this is an organ or a muscle, and I'm going to, you know... Don't. Poke. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> Do not poke me, Tiffany. Everybody's poking on screen. And But he actually, he was seen as a pretty, a pretty stand, not stand-up guy, because most doctors were actually looked at sort of scathingly by higher society, because why would you do such a thing? Like, high society would like you to keep them alive, but they think you're disgusting for right. doing so. Yeah. And even more disgusting for trying to figure out other ways to keep you alive. Right. And so one of the ways you find your way around a human body still today is you find a dead one and you yep. poke it with a stick. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, mean, a sterilized stick, but yeah. they're called well, they're cadaver dead. labs now, guys. Come on. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> or body farms. They're dead. You don't, you don't have to, you don't have to sterilize exactly. them anymore. Like they're, they're not going to get an infection. It's okay. <laughs> Fair. Disclaimer, all three of us have worked in the medical field, so this is really funny. <laughs> no, just dig that back out. It's fine. We can yeah, still use that fine. piece. It's fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, pick it up off the floor, uh-huh. you know, lick it, put it back in. Exactly. <laughs> Five second rule, it's fine. <laughs> you know, clean it with your shirt like it's glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That implant is still fine to use. It's okay. You weren't using your eyeball <laughs> anyway. It's fine. Right? <laughs> so... He would, he wanted to do a lot of autos- autopsies because that is how you find your way around a body. And better to get practice doing it with someone who doesn't say ouch <laughs> Fair. before you do it on those who do. So the problem is this was considered like beyond the pale, like absolutely disgusting to do. You did not leave your body to science. You You were buried in a box. The box was sealed and nobody was supposed to open it until you became a zombie apparently right? <laughs> or you know or you rang the bell. out of the water or out of the ground if you're in new orleans or something like that and then there is that yeah <laughs> you know or somebody accidentally bulldozes through your native lands it's fine <laughs> you know it's fine but that's the only way that's it and well but this became so late 1700s there started to be another band name the Resurrectionists. Ooh. Right? I like that. I do. They they were the, the grave robbers, the body snatchers. Oh. And so they would find a recently buried individual and they'd dig them up and they would bring them to a, a, a medical school and the medical school would pay for him. Like the, the medical school would pay, initially was paying because they were trying to incentivize families like, look, grandpa's not, you know, using grandpa anymore. Could we? Grandpa's not using grandpa anymore. <laughs> but fair. Like, no, I totally get My body is going to science when I die. So like, I get he died it, but... weird. Can we, like, figure out why? Please. Can I poke that with a stick, please? Like, please. Yeah. You're telling me he was perfectly fine and he just fell over. Please let me poke it with a stick. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And... So this became incentivized, though, to start having the whole crime thing, the grave robbing. And so first cemeteries were hiring guards 
And I actually went to Edinburgh last year with my family and we took a tour, you know, one of those like ghost tours on the old mortuary buses kind of thing, which is amazing, incredibly cheesy and incredibly amazing. Like it was, it was the best and the worst at the same time. And I would totally do it again. So in the cemeteries, I can vouch like they had guard shacks, like stone guard shacks. They meant it. And even that wasn't working because they would. You know, the resurrectionists would either drug or, you know, kill the guard. Well, there's your body. You know, there's your body. And then they would dig some more up as well. It's a BOGO deal. This one's real fresh. You might want to use that one first. Right? Well, and fresh. the fresher ones got more money. Right, yeah. So they actually had these things. And they're still, these are still existing in graveyards, like around the world, but in, in the U.S. as well, called mort safes. And there were mort locks. They were like... A cage that went around coffins. And people who are, what's a nicer way to say idiots? Paranoid? Intellectually confused? Intellectually challenged? (laughs) Well, I don't think they're stupid. I think they're idiots. And there's a tremendous difference. I have kids. I know stupid. Like, (laughs) they, they like to say that these mort safes, like, so picture like a cage that went around a coffin, or it was like an extra lid. Uh, you know, that was like double screwed down, or like it needed two keys to open at the same time, that kind of thing. Different. That's a whole lot of nope for me. <laughs> it's it was just this crazy whole industry that sprung up around keeping people in their graves, and at the same time, this is when you would have people that were buried with the little bell on the string because they didn't want to be kept in their graves if they weren't actually dead yet. So it was this fascinating moment in history, and these mort safes are still there. Are some there's some places they're graves that are booby trapped. Oh, I want one. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I thought like, you wanted a Viking funeral. You're I not going to have, have a grave. I can have both. You could do both because here's what happens is you, they open the lid of your coffin and it's rigged up to like like a landmine sort of or like a gun, like the trigger of a gun. So I could be a landmine and still have my Viking funeral. Oh you know, I bet God. you we could have you mixed into the gunpowder right? and you can just like poof, all over the people. <laughs> well, you you could kill someone after your death. That's amazing. I like that. You don't have to deal with too much. And <laughs> I mean, it's just good sense. Like you could save so much on legal legal fees. Like so, this was this whole this whole scene. And so they they started at first. There were laws passed in the late 1700s along the lines of you can any any prisoner that dies goes to a medical school. Oh, like nice. after death, not like studying the law library, yeah. but. You know, <laughs> being useful, I guess. And that wasn't enough. Like the the need was still greater. And so then, because there were also laws that were being passed that said every physician had to attend or conduct an autopsy every five years. Oh, oh wow. So, you know, apparently once you've seen a dead body, you have not seen them all. No. I think <laughs> was the message. That's interesting because like, why would they require that if this is such a taboo subject at that time? Well, the doctors needed to do it. It was everybody else that was like, you can't have my body. And the doctors were like, actually, I'd like to, please. I really, I would really need your body, actually. Hey, baby. <laughs> Glad you picked up what I was laying down. <laughs> I, I did, as it were. Eight inches, you know. <laughs> so the crime picks up then because they just were not getting enough bodies from anywhere else, even when they were paying for them, even when prisoners were involuntarily assisting science, that kind of thing. So that's sort of the state of things. And 
So, so by the way, the Mort safes would stay in place for about, they, they did recycle. Oh, okay. well, that's good. Because, yeah, because the Mort safes would stay in place for about six weeks because the medical schools would not accept a cadaver that was six weeks old. Oh, fair. Ah. You have to have standards. I mean, yeah, I've been telling myself this for a while, but I haven't picked up on that yet. So, so the safe wouldn't actually go around the coffin. It would be over the gravesite, or would they dig up the coffin after six weeks and take it off and then rebury the coffin and then... It depends on the... There were a whole bunch of different designs. You know, sometimes it was as simple as clamping the lid on the coffin extra tight, like really good Tupperware sort of idea. <laughs> or a like really good... That, like you can hear the seal breaking on it when you... Really good zip tie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really good zip tie. Yeah. That would be my husband's really coffin. Really good zip ties. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, <laughs> back to the eight inches thing. Congratulations. <laughs> Just a real good zip tie. That's all I need. <laughs> I, you know, I do not judge. Like, <laughs> I appreciate that because neither do we. <laughs> So something to have in mind, like this, this was money. Like this was not, you know, like kids shining shoes on the corner or whatever. Mm -hmm. A five week old cadaver in about 1820 could earn like four to five pounds, which is about $600 now. Oh, wow. And that was the one that was right on the edge of no longer being usable. That's yeah, that's icky and gross. And you have to bring it in in three separate bags. (laughs) Sorry. I'm still here. I'm not even sorry. <laughs> you shouldn't be. We never are. So the the nice, nice, this is visual quotes, the nice fresh ones, they usually could command about 10 pounds. Oh, hmm. Which wow. is about 1,000 pounds now, so it's about $1,300. That's impressive. Money. Okay. So that's, especially that, like, you do like one of those a month, that's like a weekend hobby and it pays for itself. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it makes more money than podcasting. I'm telling you. <laughs> Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> so that's sort of the, the state of things. And Robert Knox was known for accepting a lot of bodies. He was quite a popular professor. He had a lot of students wanting to study under him. And every one of those students needed to anatomize at least one body. So he was called the anatomist. He was sort of known. He had a reputation for accepting, you know, all shapes, all sizes, however many bags it takes, right? <laughs> <laughs> So that's him. Let's back up. 1792. The young gentleman named William Burke is born in the town of Ernie in County Tyrone, which is Northern Ireland. His father and mother were middle class, practicing Catholics, but they had a very close relationship with the local Presbyterian minister. And so he did a lot of chores for the minister and was heavily involved in that congregation, which is kind of problematic just you know, the whole, the troubles, right? Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. Catholics, Protestants don't get along real well. So conflict didn't seem to bother him. Uh, he, he had one brother, Constantine, and they both spent some time in the British army, in the militia. I mean, they had pretty normal lives up to this point. When he was uh, in late teens, I don't know exactly how old, he met and married a woman in County Mayo. They had two kids and they had this cute little farm, cute little blah, life, blah, kids, blah, blah, right? And then he got in an argument with his father-in-law about how much land he thought he should inherit. And in fact, he would like to inherit it right now. Thank you very much. And father-in-law said no. And so he up and left both kids and wife and never went back again. Oh, well, that's nice. What a nozzle. (laughs) What a nozzle. (laughs) I wasn't real sure what terminology you just used there for a second tip. I like it, though. What? What a nozzle? Oh, 
fuck are you talking about that? No, I was no, like, no, 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 no. Okay, Do not abandon your family. Tiffany's terminology, though, right now is spot on. It's fair. It's fine. And I mean, <laughs> no, it was fuckery of the highest degree. Like, even better. That's what it was. So he moved over to Scotland, uh, moved around a little bit, a couple of small towns, and he met a woman named Helen McDougall. Mick or Mick. It's spelled both ways, I've seen. Okay. So it's either M apostrophe or it's MC. She was very recently widowed and had two teenage kids, which is a really difficult place to be in the early 1800s. So they hooked up. I believe they married. Not 100% positive. Like, I don't think she ever changed her last name. So, okay. again, it's one of those, like, they lived as a married couple for the rest of his life. Okay. Okay. And basically, as long as the kids were in the house, they maintained a degree of stability. And then once they had moved on, by the early 1800s, they moved into Edinburgh and started drinking heavily and started bouncing around like rooming houses. Okay. Next dude is a guy named William Hare. So two Williams. It's It's fine. I don't know. Willie and Bill, whatever. It's cool. (laughs) Burke and Hare. This guy... We don't know very much about him at all. Like, he was born sometime between 1792 and 1804. Oh. Which, you know, it's a pretty wide... (laughs) Standard deviation, it's fine. Standard deviation is seven years, you know, give or take. (laughs) So, what we know about him is that he lived rougher. Uh, We don't believe that he was able to read or write. He had sort of this bro attitude. Right. Fun. But without the frat, you know, just more that, that <laughs> just, sort of rough and tumble, growly shithead. Yeah, you know? fair. We don't know any of those. <laughs> rough and tumble, growly yeah. shithead. I could send that description to my husband right now and he would know exactly who I mean. <laughs> there you go. And it's not my husband. <laughs> well, I'm... Yeah, well, you can start calling him hair, you know. You've got a nickname. It's cute. So... He also moved over to Edinburgh again at some point, but we don't know a whole lot about him until late 18 teens somewhere. He was living in a rooming house that was run by a guy, first name unknown, last name Logue. Logue? L-O-G-U-E. Okay. Okay. And his wife, Margaret Laird. And from what I understand, he got kicked out of the rooming house run by Logue for sleeping with margaret laird oh that would do it i mean he may have been just using an alternate form of rent like right? i don't know <laughs> she was the landlady he's resourceful right as long as it was consensual between the two of them and his rent was covered yeah, well apparently something about that didn't ring true with the husband so it kicked him out then oddly in 1826 Logue died hmm. Hmm. some suspicion about that but no you know, right. So then, very shortly afterward, William Hare married Margaret Laird. Oh. Just like in all the fairy tales. <laughs> right? You know, it's the sweetest. <laughs> Meant to be. Just had to wait for that man to kick the bucket. And... It's Disney at its finest, right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's usually the mom that dies. Ooh. Oh, now I'm going to look it's at true. Disney well, a lot I mean, Lion King, though. Fair. Yeah. So, I mean, Disney just kills off parents. Right? Like, you that's gotta have thing. that anguish there. Apparently. Because, you know, there's no other way that young adults suffer growing up. Let's kill their parents. <laughs> oh, indeed. <laughs> yeah. What's the biggest fear you have? Oh, hey, I know. Let's put it in your favorite movie so you watch it over and over, over, and, over, and, over and over again. And it just sinks in your brain. Ah. Perfect. Oh, that hits. <laughs> 
Tiffany's like, I'm canceling my Disney Plus subscription right now. <laughs> it's close to home. <laughs> I know, right? I have kids. I get, yeah, right, on, right there. On. Uh, there are times where I look at my kids like, why do you want me to go walking in the forest? Right? Along the cliff? Like, are you mad at me? Luckily, mine's still young enough where I look at him and I look at his father and I'm like, oh my God, please, Lord, don't t- anything happen to me because they would be so screwed. <laughs> It's a nice show of faith in the marriage. I like that. That's good. <laughs> it's commitment. <laughs> he has his strengths, just not the same ones that I do that are, you know, pretty uh, important to survival, but it's fine. Gemini, Libra, it's fine. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. Uh, so that's sort of where everything comes up to at the end of our sort of before our drink, our drink break is I would say that in 1827, William Burke and potential wife, Helen. McDougal, move into the rooming house that is now owned by Margaret Laird and William Hare. Okay. And this is in Edinburgh, which is the town where Robert Knox Ooh. practiced. Come it's all <laughs> Right now in yes. Edinburgh. I'm saying. And that's what it is. <laughs> so I would say, you know, that would be a good place for a drink break because after this, things get dark. Ooh. Oh, so I alcohol like- is a good place for now. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Rebecca, alcohol is a good place for now. Alcohol make something is the up best for us, place ever. <laughs> I'll make something up. It's fine. Hacksaws and cocaine. Go for it. <laughs> Ooh. Nope. Nope. Time for drinks. <laughs> Everybody has a story, and not all of those stories are clear black and white issues, even when we think they are. We wonder, how did this happen? Or what is that like? Or what happens next? Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss at IWB Podcast. And we're back, guys. We're back. A little bit more alcohol. Moonshine pickles. We're ready to go. I have my my Bailey's little drops of happiness. I don't even know what to call them, but they're chocolates with Bailey's in them. Are they like Bailey's truffles? They look like a little truffle. Yes, sure. That's very grown up of you. Yes. And hot chocolate. Oh, my God. So jealous. So, so about the cadavers. Oh yeah. Back <laughs> okay. To that. Yeah. I was going to say. So let's talk about some dead people. Cool. Cool. So when we last met, our, our friends were were all hanging out together. Mm-hmm. They drank way too much, even by eighteen twenties Edinburgh standards, because <laughs> you know it's cold up there. They drink a lot. The right. Scots know their alcohol, and. Even by those standards, these people were drinking a lot, and chances are they would have collectively been homeless had they not owned the rooming house. During this time frame, starting the winter of 1827 into 1828, Margaret Laird was pregnant. That's William Hare's partner and Mm -hmm. the owner of the Mm -hmm. rooming house. And she also had another small child living there. Okay. So, you know, just have this picture of domestic bliss soaked in alcohol with a lot of cadavers nearby. Cool, cool. Okay. I'm, I'm oddly down so, for this. You, you just said domestic bliss, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
That's the important phrase. <laughs> we yeah. didn't need the, you know, disclaimer of alcohol and cadavers. That kind of all rolls into the bliss part. <laughs> <laughs> cadavers was bliss. Yeah. I'm going to do a spinoff show. <laughs> cadavers were bliss. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, okay. November 29th, 1827. One of their lodgers was named Donald. They don't know his last name. Presumably Donald knew it, but we don't. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a delayed reaction for such a good joke. I was like, Donald knew it. That's an interesting last name. <laughs> that's the vodka talking. No, no, that's just the Ashley and Tiffany talking. It's a joke grenade. It's okay. <laughs> um, I just got hit by the shrapnel. Yeah. <sighs> it was one of those those uh, mort safes. Yeah. <laughs> so Donald died of natural causes in the rooming house. And they wander in. They see, you know, he doesn't come down for breakfast. Whatever it is, they wander in. Dead guy, what do we do? And so, you know, most of us, our initial thought would be, hmm, call for help. Right. Mm -hmm. But Burke and Hare, they were both sort of jack of all trades, master of none. And neither was currently employed in a meaningful way. So instead of scooping up donald and bringing him to the nearest mortuary you know funeral home type they decide let's bring him to the royal medical college i mean at that time i can't blame him and the royal medical college had been trained do not ask questions oh fair as long as there is no overt sign of violence we don't contact authorities so if they see someone who has been clearly, you know, shot, strangled, whatever, okay, maybe we'll give it a call police. Like, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we have to, unless we can get them in for an autopsy now and cover the evidence. Which, that comes up later. But in this case, no overt signs of violence. And they got, I believe it was seven pence, ten pence shilling things. Money toppings. Yeah, yeah. And so, so it was about a thousand dollars. Wow. Ooh, that wow. they get. Not a bad chunk of change. And their room is opened up in the boarding house. It's also right? relatively fresh. Like the economics of this is astounding. It, it all works. It all works. And that was what the the medical student said to Burke and Hare now Burke did all the talking because of Hare being the sweaty, unwashed, snarly, growly crabby type <laughs> he was just the muscle he brought the body in there and let hair do the talking yeah, yeah. so they got they they neg negotiated which that must be a fun bidding war right there <laughs> but they negotiated to not quite eight pounds for this guy and that gave them an idea so not too long after sometime in december of 1827 joseph miller went to the house it's not clear if he went like was enticed there or if he went to rent a room or what the deal was. They did a little of both. Uh, they did a little of enticing people to come in mm -hmm. by, hey, let's get drunk and, you know, die. But, and <laughs> I don't think they worded it quite that way, probably. But so December 1827, Joseph Miller's in the home and hair was like the muscle, bark was like the voice. And so hair starts trying to kill Joseph Miller. It's difficult to kill a person, especially when they don't want you to. Oh, <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> you know? And so they said, ultimately, they created a, a maneuver called Burking later. And like this was, this became a thing. There was a, like, there was a gang of London Burkers 
that happened after this. And it was where one person would lie on top of the victim-to-be to hold them still so that they didn't thrash about and get all bruised and stuff. And the other person would smother them, either with their hand or with a pillow. Oh, that is cruel, but effective. (laughs) I mean, it, it worked on Joseph Miller. Yeah. So, I mean, within hours, like the reports are like the body was still warm and they got him to the the medical college and they got an even 10 pounds. Oh. So that's $1,300 today. So, I mean, Christmas is paid for, right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> they obviously caught on to this. Right. This was their thing. And so the next, over the span of about a year, uh, 11 months, they ended up killing 16 people. <gasps> oh, wow. Jesus. Oh, Almost all of them fit a certain profile. I want to say their names because I feel like they deserve their names to be said. Those that we know. Yeah. So there was Donald. There was Joseph Miller. Then Abigail Simpson. And and it may have been reversed. It may have been that Abigail Simpson was killed first. And then Joseph Miller. There's a little iffy on that. Okay. Then there was the English peddler. That's all we know. Oh. Mary Patterson. There was Effie, the beggar woman. There was an old woman and her deaf son. Oh, no. There was a Mrs. Ostler, Anne McDougall, Mary Haldane, and Peggy Haldane. Not clear how they were related exactly. I believe sisters or sisters-in-law. I don't think it was a mother and child. Okay. Okay. James Wilson, two other unknown women, and Mary Doherty. So James Wilson sort of was their initial downfall, and Mary Doherty was the end of it all. So the general type were people who were like profoundly disenfranchised. He he went for people who were homeless, people who had really no family connections at all. They preferred people with some form of physical disability or deformity, because the medical school paid more for that. I mean, I can understand that. I mean, it doesn't make it suck less, but... It does make sense yeah. to a fault. Exactly. It's it's horrible, but it's logical. Right. And, and all of this is very cold. And one thing that I want to point out is that Burke and Hare, a lot of people associate them with the res- Resurrectionists because you have to understand that part of history in order to understand how they were doing what they were doing. But they were not ever Resurrectionists as far as we know. Okay. They never did any grave robbing. Like the first guy they found dead of natural causes and all of the rest, they it was like a DIY cadaver business as far as they were concerned. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they were so hip for the time. I wonder I if they had got, Pinterest boards for Birking. I don't know why. I just got pictures right? of Dexter in my head and that's not what he did. No. No. Well, but... he did DIY. I mean, he just <laughs> he did do DIY, but it wasn't for like medical purposes. And not quite as cleanly. He was very clean about it. Well, he cleaned up after himself. And anyway. So, yeah. But so these people were, were generally like people didn't know who they were. They weren't missed. And the only reason that we know who most of them were is because Burke, the smarter of the two, kept a diary. Oh, oh wow. Genius. Yeah. Well, and a lot of resurrectionists did in the way that you would keep records for any business, right? Small business owner. Well, (laughs) see, I think about that, but I also think about, like, in these days, people are going to look back and instead of saying, like, they kept a diary, they'd be like, we checked their Facebook account and this is what they did on these days. And, like, well, but it would be more like, uh, like a ledger. Yeah. 
Yeah, QuickBooks now. Yeah. Yeah. So like my bullet journal that I keep for the podcast. For everything in your life? That. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, that was, you know, they they would use codes. I don't remember the name of the guy. I, didn't, I don't have it in front of me right now. But there was a, a different confirmed resurrectionist who kept a journal. And his code would talk about one large and two small, meaning one adult and, one, and two children. <gasps> oh, my heart. Right. That kind of thing. And all of his were confirmed grave robbings. Right. And that for the most part, the resurrectionists would get fined and let go. So they made more money selling the cadavers than pay the fines. And so it all worked out. Like, it is a horrible moment in history, but there is a small business mindset to it. You know yeah, what I mean? mm-hmm. absolutely. And I, I hate to say this, but at the same time, I um for what it does for science, I kind of see why... And they're not using their bodies, and I don't condone it, but I get it. Well, that's the thing is Robert Knox actually, like, the higher classes looked down on him tremendously as this kind of slimy, skeevy dude who wanted to buy your dead grandmother, which he was. But his colleagues looked at him as a brilliant man who advanced the science of medicine significantly. Absolutely. So, you know, this was like... First, it was like one a month, give or take, you know, November and then December. They took January off, but then two in February, you know, that kind of thing. And then something picked up. And my suspicion is that, like, okay, two things to know is that Helen McDougal almost certainly was an active participant in this, in the, at the very least, luring people in. And she knew why. Because a lot of times they would wait until someone was intoxicated and then lure them back and you know, a drunk person is more malleable and they're especially more malleable if they have a woman coming up to them oh, yeah. and saying, I have more booze back in my house. I have a free place you can sleep, you know, that kind of thing. Through this, Margaret Laird likely knew about what was going on because, you know, her house and stuff, but she also was pregnant. So, you know, distracted. Yeah, fair. You know, pregnancy brain. Uh. <laughs> what a- Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can't do it. <laughs> Can't do it. Pregnant. Sorry. Two two thirds of us understand. I have cats. That's exempt. <laughs> However, you were around for all of Tiffany's pregnancy, so you get it. I, that is true. <laughs> I I think I think it's probably smarter to have cats. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, I am partial to my cats. I think it's more fun yeah. for children, but smarter to have cats. <laughs> or just do both. Okay. I mean, I have both, and I I would say don't have children. Like that's <laughs> it's not for I everyone. I don't regret having mine. You know, I don't regret my having mine for a second. But that whole societal like, when are you going to have a baby? Oh my god, yes, right, makes me crazy. What are you talking about? Um, I adopted a cat less than a year ago. Right? Why are we talking? I'm not about even this? adjusted to my newest baby. He's still getting custom to the litter box. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Well, I used to just ask. Especially on my mother's side of the family, upstate New York redneck, like all of the jokes about rednecks. Yeah, that's upstate New York as well. And yeah, we understand. <laughs> yeah. And they would say, when you, you know, when are you going to get like I was 22 when I had my first and they were like, are you ever going to have a baby? Right. <laughs> like, Oh, my God. And so I used to start asking them if they wanted me to call them before or after we had sex. <laughs> and it turns out. They stop asking, yeah, like real quick. I am making a mental note of that. Yeah, um, it's okay. My aunt was the only person that I was twenty eight when I had my son, 
And my aunt was the only person who ever pressured me about it. Like the rest of my family was like, you do you. And like the 10th time she asked me at Christmas, I was like, I don't know. When are you going to lose the baby weight? Mind you, her youngest kid is 22. Oh. (laughs) So roll it back into the cadavers. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, an anecdote that goes off of that is the only person that was like on my, my husband's side of the family was was very much more about delay mm-hmm. right having kids and when his father found out his father was this very stern dutchman like one of these guys who just just like reveled in his own ass hattery like he really enjoyed being a dick like it made him happy fair and i mean he was consistent with it and so he was just like what are you doing having a baby you're not young enough you know a man's not a man until he's 35 and i'm like okay so what happened to you <laughs> first of all What's your story? Yeah, and then he he really follows that up with I wasn't consulted about this. Oh, and so I pointed out to him, Herman, I wasn't thinking about you at the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> and he's contrary to popular he, he belief. Kind of stopped asking after that, so that was fun. <laughs> um, so yes, back to the cadavers. So um, you know, the horrible part about this is that we don't know about the victims much, except for they were vulnerable. Nobody missed them. Nobody reported them missing. And there were no questions being asked because this method of burking was creating fresh subjects for the medical school. Like this is in, in ways this was better than having a diseased body. Right. Yeah. You know, so not great. And not you didn't great. have to like worry about is it going to be five weeks old? Are we going to have enough? Are we going right. to have enough? They're yeah. not sharing it. No. Are you going to like, is the body going <laughs> to be decomposed too quota? much? What is their freshness value on a scale of one to tomato? I don't know. How, how many bags are you going to need to use to exactly. carry them around? Right. Exactly. It's a problem. So it's a problem. The next, <laughs> the, their next to last victim was a guy that was actually kind of known around town. He was only 18, James Wilson. He had a profound limp and was considered simple. He was called Daft Jimmy, which another would be a really great band name, you know? <laughs> Daft Jimmy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, opening up for hacksaws and cocaine. <laughs> Daft Jimmy. <laughs> Spinoff of what's the band of? Jimmy, Jimmy World. Jimmy, Jimmy Meets World. World. Jimmy Eat World. Eat World? One of those. I, okay. I Yep. It's okay. You're pretty. I am. Thanks. And you're the best homeschooled homeschooler I've ever seen. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Jimmy Meat World. <laughs> it's cute. Okay. So, um, Daft Jimmy was seen out in public with Birkin hair, and then he was never seen again. Oh, that's bad. October 18th was the last day he was seen alive. On the 19th, they show up at the Royal Medical College with here's a bag of our latest, nearest, dearest departed. And one of the students said, That's Daft Jimmy. Oh. Like they knew right away. Another student was so uncomfortable with it they went to the police, which was like not a thing. Right. Yeah. Um but but they went to the police. But this particular autopsy was unusual in a bad way. Twice. What? Right? But first of all, it was expedited to an unusual degree. Like it was done in an overnight sort of fashion instead of so that was an that was an odd thing because it's not a whole lot of students attending medical lectures at eleven at night. Right. Uh-huh. So that was mm-hmm. a little weird. The other weird thing was because you know, this profound limp there was something very uniquely identifiable about his foot. And yeah. when the police show up the next day, they found a recently autopsied corpse and the feet were never found. Oh, oh, that's suspicious. Probably washed up on the shore of Vancouver Island, right? With the sneakers. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. 
It all <laughs> that's where it they all came comes from. Excuse me out so much. <laughs> or the cave. Or they came out of the cave. There you go. The uh your Sonny Bean. family. Sonny Sonny Bean. Bean. Yeah, this was Sonny all around Bean. the same place sometime. Like the Sonny Bean family exactly. caves are literally right around the corner. Yeah, could be. What was oh, in shit. the water? Um I whiskey Body parts. I think is the issue. <laughs> I don't think they did water. I think it was straight to whiskey because there were too many body parts in the ocean. Yeah. Fair. 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 Um, fair. Knox also kept the skull of the person suspected to be Jimmy Wilson. Adapt Jimmy. Why? Nobody's real clear on that. So the suspicion is that like okay. he knew who it was and hung on to this. Like a souvenir, you know? Some of us buy postcards. I mean, Some- we have talked about buying a skull at the Muter Museum or... that That's different. Adopting a skull. Adopting Adopt a skull. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> oh, God damn. Um, <laughs> well, ignorance was bliss. I can... I, sh- I it's, um, it's right there. I'm pointing as though you can see it. It's right there. It's right back there. <laughs> ignorance was bliss adopted a murder bird. Because... I- Owls are like my symbol for my show. Yeah. And over the summer, I was in Eugene, Oregon, and there's like one of those bird refuge things. Mm-hmm. And it happened to be right after I got my Patreon funds. And so I'm like, I'm adopting a murder bird. That's amazing. That is what I'm doing. <laughs> and so his name is Tristan. Aww. He's this little tiny thing. He's only like yay big. And one of his eyes is all gorked and the wing is all broken because he fell out of his nest. So oh. not very smart. Bless him. Oh, But I mean, he, he's like 15 years old. So Aww. he's doing well. So yeah. Anyway, uh, adopt a skull. That's on brand for you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> So people are starting to pay attention, though. You know, when somebody you know goes missing, people are paying attention. So Halloween 1828, both couples, William Burke and his now unpregnant, like, so partner, uh, Helen McDougall. I'm sorry, she was not the one that was pregnant. She had adult kids. So it was just them and William Hare with Margaret Laird, who had just had a baby. They're all hanging out. They're all drinking. Two small children in the house. A couple shows up who's going to rent the room or has been renting a room in the house. They are also in the house drinking with Mary Doherty, who has been effectively lured back. And they give this couple money to go stay at a different rooming house for the night. What? So that they have the place to themselves. Oh. Why didn't they just say no vacancy? Sorry. You know, there's a lot of whys in here that I could answer, but I'd rather not because, you know, people think I'm creepy enough. Um, (laughs) I feel you. Then you're on the right show. It's fine. Right. Basically, it was cheaper to know that this couple was going to come back the next day. Yeah. And stay there. They didn't want to turn them away, right? They just, just go stay somewhere else for a night. We're going to be hanging out here drinking, laughing, dancing, you know, running, climbing trees, putting on makeup while we're up there, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And they barked. Mary Doherty. And they chose this couple's room to do it in. So I don't know how big this house was, but they chose this couple. <laughs> this is not funny. I'm so sorry. It's just terrible. I adore you. You're with the right group. <laughs> they decided to store her like under the foot of the mattress what? on the bed. Oh. Right? What? So they, and, you know, she's dead. They're not going to use her until the next day. Uh-huh. So they stick her there and they keep drinking. And so the next day, the couple who was renting the room comes back early and they're like, this is not like princess in the pea. Yeah. You know, this is not a pea. This is <laughs> a, body. a human being. And so they call police. By the time the police get there, Burke and Hare have already taken this body, run it over to the college, take, taken the money for it and run. But by then, police are onto them. They knew who they are. And November 1st, they are caught and arrested. Oh, hmm. 
bad on suspicion of murder. Bad move on their part. <laughs> yeah. So between November 29th, 1827 and October 31st, 1828, they confessed to the discovery and mishandling of one corpse, killing two men, killing 12 women, and killing one child. Holy oh, my no heart. That's, that's a lot. It is a lot. It's 16, to be precise. And that equals out very roughly to about $200,000. Wow. Wow. Uh, how? That's and, a, sorry. That's a Slytherin in me. I'm like, okay. Not I, enough. <laughs> like, I, I get it from like an, an economical point of view because it was obviously lucrative. But also, why? Because they had the rush and they got the money and they thought it was quote unquote easy. I mean, some people do stock markets, I guess. Some people do murders. I don't. I don't. I'm vodka. <laughs> I mean, from what I understand, they drank extremely heavily around each of these. So this is not the serial killer of the Bundy, Gacy, Dahmer, because I would like to accumulate corpses for my own personal use type scenario. Right. Okay. This was, this is the Black Widow style. You know, the equivalent of a woman killing off a series of family members and husbands for insurance money. Right. That's what this was. Okay. Absolutely. And it, it's not good, but I see the line of thought in mm-hmm. it. I mean, there is a line of logic. It's not a great line, but it's there. Most aren't. I mean, that's my whole show, right? Is to be able to understand why they do the things that they do, even if you don't want to. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That's what this was. Is like, there is a logic here. It's not a good one. It's not rational. Please don't. Like, disclaimer. (laughs) Please and thank you. That's like a mutual disclaimer uh, on both of our podcasts. Just Just like, don't. Don't. Just don't. (laughs) I don't know those penis festivals I covered. Like, you should go to those. (laughs) (laughs) Not what I was talking about. It's not for everyone. Okay, obviously someone gets some sort of enjoyment or pleasure or whatever feeling they want to get out of it. So cadavers and being caught. Different. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So yeah, they get caught, uh, arrested November 1st, and Hare pled and turned state's evidence on Burke, which was interesting because Burke was the talker. Right. Usually. But Hare was able to convince them that, look, Burke told me what to do. He told me how to do it. I basically just carried bodies around. Hmm. I could see that. Um, chances are he was more involved, but you know. Yeah. No, I, I could see that because when you described him, Ashley and I vividly pictured a friend of ours and I could see him just being like, I just did what I was told. Right. This mm-hmm. is the person that you need to talk to. This is the brains of the operation. I, over I'm here. sorry. A friend of y'all's? Yes. Yes. Both of them just looked at Rebecca when they were like, this is the brains of the operation right here. This yes. <laughs> she's not the one we were hey. thinking of, but yes, she's okay. the brains of okay. our operation. Okay. Thank okay. you for clarifying that. And we would throw you under a bus. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> but as long as the body didn't show a lot of signs of violence, they right. could then, no. Yeah, no, exactly. No. That's why she wants a Viking funeral, so there's plenty of violence. <laughs> There you go. That, I just think it's cool. Anyway, cadavers. Uh, cadavers, also cool. Yeah, wicked. Um, no. Uh, so, arrested November 1st. Trial was a two-day trial, December 24th and 25th of the same year. Oh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> right? And found guilty right away. And part of the reason that the courts were so willing to let Hare plead is, first of all, they needed somebody to admit to what was going on. They needed somebody to confess yeah. because yeah. the evidence was gone. None of these people left effects. None of these people left these behind. So how did we know any of their names? How did we know any of this? It's because Burke was the one that kept the journal. So they have this list of names, these descriptions of techniques in his handwriting. So he must be guilty. 
Yeah, I mean, makes sense. That was forensics then. Pretty much. Now, let me see if I can find it. Because the judge at the trial, once he's found guilty, he said to Hare, after he's been he's been found guilty, he gets a death sentence. And the judge really ripped him a new one. He says, your body shall be publicly dissected and anatomized after hanging. And I trust, if it is ever customary to preserve skeletons, yours will be preserved in order that posterity may keep in remembrance, remembrance your atrocious crimes. Huh. And if you go to Edinburgh right now, Burke's skeleton is on display in the Royal College of Surgeons. That's insanity. That's even more of a reason that I want to go. Oh my, <laughs> there's there's two lines of thought. There's, oh, I don't want that. That's awful. And then the Slytherin line of thought, which is, oh, that's incredible. And I also, go see it. Not that I would, but you're saying I could murder someone and still have what I want done to my body done. I'm, <laughs> you, you want, well, absolutely. You want your skeleton preserved? I mean, no. I want to be donated to science. I'm not going to use it. I am science. And I she's definitely a, do not want to be put in a box. She's so. a slither puff. <laughs> The first of her kind. <laughs> I am a Hufflerin. Thank you. I'm oh, a Hufflepuff, damn. which is a bit dark in there. I mean, you can't be a Gemini and not have two Harry Potter houses. Fair. That's, that's just how that works. Yes. There's a Harry Potter store in Salem as well, by the way. <gasps> Fuck me. Oh my we're God, going. we're going. <laughs> Sorry, Asheville. We'll see you in 2021. We're it's going fun. to Salem. Oh, for sure. God damn. So, hey, I mean, Burke's partner... Helen McDougall was the one that was believed to have assisted quite heavily in luring people, but she also turned state's evidence and was let go and was effectively run out of Scotland altogether. Wow. Twice crowds found her calling for her head and she had to sleep in police stations for her own safety and eventually escaped to Northern Ireland and no one knows from the, after that what happened. Hmm. Hare pled and so as of December 25th of 1828, in theory, could have walked out. But in reality, he had to go back to jail and hide there because again, crowds calling for his head. So he stayed for over a month and on February 5th, 1829 he left the jail uh, more than once. Crowds found him and again, calling for his head. That was apparently a thing and ultimately he's known to have gone down to London for a little bit and then they believe that he came to the US. Oh. And if it is the correct guy, like there's a little bit of iffiness on that, but if it is the correct guy, he came to the US and effectively lived a lawful prosperous life. Wow. Interesting. Okay. I have mixed feelings on that. <gasps> you should have your dad look into that with all his genealogy. I'll do that. Oh, oh man. That's That's fascinating. how we find out we're related to people like this. <laughs> Pretty much. That's pretty awesome. So that's Burke and Hare. Brava, honey. That was magnificent. That was awesome. Hot dang. It was like the perfect subject for the three of us. Yeah, it's kind of, it's also very hard to get all three of us on the same page at the same time. That's so, true too. So bravo. <laughs> yes. No, I I have mixed feelings because, you know, I want science to progress and that's what they were drunkenly trying to do, but damn, don't do it that way. Boo, <laughs> calm down. Boo. <laughs> That was exciting. Just drink. Yeah, yeah, just drink. Yeah, so that's the... Yeah, well, okay, fine. Hacksaws and cocaine. I'm not going to judge. <laughs> Maybe just send body parts, okay? You don't have to send the full body. Just just send a piece at a time. Several bags. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm not a serial killer. I'm not. I swear I'm not. Okay. But like, y'all... Neither is CK. 
<laughs> a wink, a wink. But the point I was the point I was making was like you y'all have seen me drunk. I just start fixing things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the whole sciencey drunk part I get. Rebecca to be <laughs> like, not saying I'm going to, but that person. I mean, if is I woke up out. tomorrow in 1820s Edinburgh and I was broke. <laughs> exactly. Right? Tiffany, your brain is a work of art. Let me send it over to this college. How dare you? you get your hands off Tiffany's brain. Anyone yeah, exactly. Else? Like, just poke it with a stick, right? <laughs> <laughs> just lobotomizer. It's fine. No, no lobotomizing. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I can't do that to Tiffany because Ashley would 100% They would have two bodies in science <laughs> by <laughs> Ashley. Anyway, that was awesome. Thank you so much for that. I had never heard of that before. Thanks. I should be more famous than it was, but I love I love that story. Like, I love, I hate it, love it kind of thing. Absolutely. You know I mean? like, like most of our stories. I was about to say, yeah, we, we created <laughs> yeah. a show on that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, whenever oh, we need fantastic. a break on hate love, I throw in like weird festivals festival. about penises. No, because so <laughs> we still hate yeah. love those. <laughs> you penises? guys do. Yeah, they're, 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 I was going to say a pain in the ass, but I don't want to <laughs> go there either. I mean, <laughs> could be. To each their own. Well, I think it's time that we wrap okay. this up. So, Kate, thank you so much, love. Thank you. That story was fantastic. We are so happy that you are here with us. Yes. Um, one more time, if you'll just tell us about your show and where they can find you. Um, yeah, sure. My show is called Ignorance Was Bliss. I am at IWB Podcast everywhere. I am online way too much. And, you know, basically my show boils down to collecting stories, uh, learning how people become who they are. I like that a lot. And where mm-hmm. can they find you? I know you gave the um, link to your site, but what podcatchers can they find you? All of them. All Perfect. Of them. All of yes. the above. And of course, we'll have links on our blog and also in the show notes. So you guys yes. make sure to check her out. We are, again, so grateful that you were able to join us and stay tuned or check out her show because you might hear some familiar voices over on her show as well. Mayhaps. So on that note, remember, friends, everyone has something that they find odd. Let us tell you why it's not. If you have any questionable topics you'd like to discuss, you can send them to us on any of our social medias. Links can be found on our website, theladiesestrange.com, or you can email them to us at theladiesestrange at gmail.com. And if you have additional questions about Kate's amazing show, you can find them either in the show description or during this week's blog post. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you think we're doing a great job and want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon. Keep it strange, lovelies. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.